0: Hello and welcome to the Win-Win Effect podcast with your host Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximise potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enrol prospective students into the correct programmes, to achieve overall business success and fulfilment in life. You will get a rare centralised look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from, to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of information or material from companies just trying to sell products but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value, to make it worth your time
1: happy money monday everybody and welcome back to another episode of the win-win effect podcast this is chris ross to catch everyone back up to speed in our last episode myself and west Bay started our conversation on how to bulletproof yourself from hearing the word no for many salespeople hearing that word no from your buyer puts them in an uncomfortable situation and this is where i see them start losing control of the conversation not knowing where to pivot or drive the conversation where the buyer is open to suggestions. To transform an average salesperson into a top performer, you're gonna have to make sure that you're staying focused on a rapport level to stay control, and being realistic with the outcomes that you suggest or recommend for your buyers. After careful consideration with my team members, we felt it was best to chop up this episode into multiple episodes to be easy to consume for yourself and giving you an opportunity to fill out a feedback form after each episode. I wanted to take the time and say thank you to all the listeners out there that did take our advice and filled out the feedback form. And some of you also took advantage of the free on-demand business and sales trainings that we're giving away to all the listeners. To take action and fill out our feedback form to hold yourself accountable on what you're learning and also take action on the on-demand business and sales trainings, search for the information inside the description box. My team felt it was best to put all the links available on each episode. Without any further delay... We will now pick up the conversation right where we left off, where me and Wes are discussing how to provide more clarity for your prospective buyers.
2: Right. Absolutely. And that's actually, and I want to take what you said, Chris, with clarity, just, just one step further, if, if I may. Please. Um, and when we talk about clarity, we, we, people think about clarity of the present, right? Of what that person, you know, wants in the present. When we're talking about clarity, we're talking about past, present, and future clarity. So what does that mean? When I'm talking to to a buyer or a client, I'm going to first talk about the past, which is what's happened before, their experiences, helping them understand why, especially how people get hung up on this. You know, the person had a bad experience with someone like me in the past. That's like the most beautiful thing I could ever hear in my entire life. I would love someone for someone to have a horrible experience with somebody else, you know, because what ends up happening is then I'm going to give them clarity on exactly why that happened and what could have been done differently. I'm going to educate them there, right? That's clarity on the past and why something happened. Present is what's going to happen now. What's the expectation here? And what is it that will ideally get them to then the future, which then I'm going to future pace and we're going to get clarity on the future. Because once I tie that future into the present, now we have completely formed I'm going to call it a clarity tree. I'm just making that up at this point. (laughs) Sounds good. A clarity tree, you know, right. Maybe I should coin it. But a clarity tree to where now they understand exactly what they're doing, why they're doing it. Okay. And there's no other way around it. And now that's where you gain that commitment. Once you've gained that commitment, they don't care about money. They don't care about, it's not all about their emotions. It's not all about whatever bullshit excuse they're going to give you. Now you're going to get them on your side, seeing from your lens so that they can start working objectively, keyword objectively, towards their outcome. And that's when you can fill in every single gap and ensure that no single you know, piece of, you know, no financials, no emotions, no anything is going to stand in their way of getting to their ideal outcome. These are all very valid points. Also, you have to keep in mind that no one signs up for a program
1: expecting not to spend money. Let's be real. It's up to the seller to discover if they have the need, the want, and the desires, and the resources available, by the way, to be able to take action on the recommendations with your products or service or whatever the hell you're selling. Nothing in this world is free other than the air we breathe. And in some Wes, someone will figure out how to tax that shit. <laughs> and I need to coin that, by the way. So it's often potential customers expect to be sold to. They expect that shit. They're, they're, I'm telling you, they are pre-programmed, especially over the last 30 years in sales. They're prepared to resist a salesperson's tactics at all times. They think of sales reps as a classic used car salesman, snake oil salesperson, and they're going to push back. I, I want them to push back as soon as possible. I actually welcome it. I want you to convince me now on the reasons why I should even allow you to speak to me again. You don't want to come across that abrasive, but it's true. That's my, my that's my mentality moving forward. Like I don't want to waste my fucking time. Time is the only non-renewable resource, man. Right. I'm You know, I spend a lot of time when people open a door when people make a call or people do something for me that they can do anything else in the world or people listening to this podcast, why I'm so appreciative when people do listen to these podcasts and receive some type of level of value, I appreciate it so much because they're spending their time with me. Your job is not to fuck it up. If they're spending the time with you, you better, be, you better have enough value. Learn. If you want to be good at your job, you want to be good in your role, you want to be great, learn how to help people and expect nothing in return. Right. Nothing.
2: Right. Well, exactly. And that, that mentality um that you're talking about, Chris, that, that automatically changes the frame of the conversation. Right. Right. Because if if you if your whole objective is to make the sale, then you just became the salesperson. Right. Now you're battling back and forth. But when you have the mentality of I'm going to get the best outcome for the client or I'm here to help them win or they need to prove why I should even work with them. Now you've just completely flipped the table to where they're not looking at you as a salesperson anymore. They're looking at you as what this what can this person do for me? Right? And how can this person really help me? And that part is, as long as you know what you're doing, is easy to do. Right? Building your credibility is easy to do, but it all starts with you. And I know we talked about this like 20 episodes ago, but your mindset and your limiting belief have a lot to do with that. Right. right? And do you view yourself as that authority? Do you view yourself as someone who can actually help someone? Because in the back of your mind, you don't really think you can help someone then you're you're really not, you're going to have a hard time. So whether that's actually getting better in your field or increasing your skill set or your knowledge level, or that's completely switching industries, whatever that is, you have to have conviction behind what you're actually going to do for that person. You can only fake conviction for so long. And so you need to actually feel good about what you're doing, understand it really well. I've never sold anything that I didn't understand really well. And what only thing I had to understand was the outcome to the client and what what they're actually going to get, right? What's going to what what are they going to really receive from my recommendation? That's all I needed to know. I don't care about the details of any product or service. I just need to know it's going to help the client. Because what I sell on, I sell on the on the outcome. I don't sell on the immediate benefit. I don't sell on the immediate solution to whatever problem. I sell on the outcome, and that outcome is. Tomorrow, the outcome is three months from now, the outcome is 30 years from now, you name it. As far as, as far in the future as you want to go, that's how far I'm thinking with this person. And I'm going to help them see it so that they can tie all of those positive feelings back into my recommendation. Mm.
1: Every time someone, and you mentioned something real quick, and I want to help people understand and how to connect and fill in that gap when you have to have or pivot from a difficult situation. So, say, for instance, you expose something and you know they're lying to you. A lot of salespeople, Wes, they'll never actually confront them or try to hold them accountable. And this is where you can also flex on your leadership skills. When you fail to hold others accountable, you reap the consequences, some obvious, some not so obvious. A lack of productivity, especially during the sales process, you're a leader, first and foremost, as a salesperson. This goes back to what I was talking about when you pace first, then you lead. Your future pacing with the pace that it's agreed upon on what they can actually handle. Then you lead the buyer to see things in your perspective for them to take ownership within themselves so that they can actually accomplish the goal or task. A lack of productivity is one of the more obvious negatives that come to mind. And this goes back to what you were saying, Wes, about tying positive emotions to an outcome. Right. As a seller, if you fail to hold your buyers accountable... This cycle will continue until people take accountability for their contribution to the actual problem and focus on seeking solutions. And this is where a lot of the listeners out there, Wes, are probably thinking, I don't really have the confidence to be able to hold people accountable that way. Confidence will come. The best place to start is to work on being more empathetic. That will give anyone an instant boost of confidence, knowing what the buyer is potentially going through. This takes a little finesse, and being able to master your tonality is key. Make a few statements to agree with the customer and clarify that their concern is valid and understood. A negative statement is expressed in a way that is opposite to the position you want to take or the direction you want to steer the conversation using reverse psychology. A softening statement is used to lower the prospect's defenses and disarming them. But examples of these type of statements is, Wes, I see what you mean. Right. I understand. Which means I'm looking for more information. So that's a completely valid concern. I can understand exactly where you are, Wes. You're absolutely right. If I was looking at things in your perspective, you see how I'm angling back and forth? Like these softening statements or, you know, trying to diffuse the situation statements right before I go in. And trying to explain something, I need to disarm them. Right. I need to lower the prospects' defense. I need them to drop their guard a little bit, like relax. Right. Like I'm not trying to get you to buy shit right now. It's not available. People can only take what's available. You don't understand that, right?
2: Right, exactly. And that's why it's so important too to to set the the right expectation from the start. And because for me, like if I'm working with a client, my in the right from the beginning, and I even have so many of my calls are recorded that that I say this exact thing, and it's i'm set, I'm setting the expectation of what I'm going to do for them, but also what might happen. right so in, and this is my point is that I'll tell them, look, my expectation is that you're gonna be upfront with me always. and you're gonna you're gonna completely be one hundred percent transparent and honest and I'm gonna be the same way back. If at any point, I feel like maybe you're not telling me the full truth, right, or you're just telling me something that I want to hear. I need to under—I need to know that you're going to be okay with me calling you out on that, because—and this is where I tie it all in—because my role here is to deliver the best outcome for you possible. That's all I'm here to do. I'm here—I'm here to get you from where you are now to on a path to where you want to be, and I'm here just to help you. And I can't help you if—if if we have a relationship that's not based on trust. And not based on transparency. Right. So my expectation is that you're always going to be that. And then I set the anchor there. And now, you know, whatever four calls later, they're they're telling me something. Now I'm going to say, Hey John, do you remember our first conversation when I talked about the expectation that you're going to be fully transparent with me, and you gave me the permission to be able to to actually talk to you about it and and ask you more questions about it or whatever, you know? And then I'm using. They're going to say yes. I'm going to say this is one of those times. Right. And now I can be, of course, I'm always going to be respectful, but now I can be very straightforward. And I'm going to say, right now, I don't feel like you're telling me the full truth. I feel like there's something holding you back. Right. And whatever it is may be justified, but I need to know what it is so that then we can move forward and see what potentially is a solution for it. So do I have your permission to do that? And I'm going to, I'm going to continue.
1: And I'm happy that you mentioned that, Wes, about getting the agreement from the potential buyer to hold them accountable- Because if you want to get people to buy your stuff, product or service, good, whatever it is, you need to understand how buyers make purchasing decisions. Sometimes I need to make sure that I'm going to teach them how to make better choices or decisions. Before you can sell any product or service or good, you need to be able to win your buyers over to help them make the right decision to purchase or buy. This will also help you make sure that you're going to eliminate the buyer remorse if you decide to recommend them or sell them that product or service or good. And to all the listeners out there, I hope this is making sense. You have to be able to get them to remain calm when making a decision. Because if you make an unexpected negative statement and don't get them back to neutral, that leans into the buyer's objection or concern. Then your buyer will be geared up to disagree with you at all times, no matter what you say. And this goes back to what I was talking about of not being able to handle the word no. You got to bulletproof yourself. Embrace and welcome the buyer saying no to you. People will fight to the death to preserve their right to say no. And it's their God-given right. So give it to them. When negotiating environment becomes constructive and collaborative, you can take that opportunity to be able to work together on finding the right solution for both sides if you do this effectively you will be able to set the right expectation and most importantly will help you keep the sales conversation in your control the key to this is not to have your buyers thinking that you're trying to convince them or persuade them to do something they don't want to do you're pursuing the outcome and they are in need of the product or service rather than you trying to sell them or persuade them
2: yeah it's all expectation at the end of the day right it's all your expectation and their expectation. But when the nice thing is that when you don't have an expectation, right, when you're only thinking about the best outcome for the client, then you know what, sometimes them getting, sometimes getting a no for me is a good thing, right? Especially if I was, you know, maybe I I, I didn't have the right lenses on that day and I wasn't seeing that this person isn't the right fit. I, you know, I want that no. The only time for me that I'm that I'm really going to work through that no is when I truly believe that this person is the right fit. Right. And I'm not going to go at the no. I'm going to go at what did I miss in my process that this person isn't ready, right? Isn't where they're supposed to be. And that's how I'm going to look at it because now I have a gap. Obviously I have, I have a gap where, and a gap doesn't mean that I didn't do everything possible for them to say no. A gap could be that I didn't notice that they're, they're not the right type of person. That could be my gap. And so for me, it's, I'm always going to do everything that's that's right by the client. And my whole process is going to be around getting that client to the right outcome. And if they're not the right fit, great. We've established that. That's a good thing. I can move on to the next person, All right? If they are, I'm going to make sure to close it up as much as possible to influence the person to want to say yes, to want. And they're not saying yes to me. They're saying yes to themselves. That's the mm-hmm. difference.
1: A lot of people don't really know how to use that properly. And that's the problem. I'll say to them, Based on me explaining it a little further with you, does that provide you a little bit more clarity? It does. Do you see why that's prevented you or you know, held you back before? Yes. Do you now do you understand what it would take for you to be able to remove that? What what could your life be? This has nothing to do with product and service, Wes. Nothing. This has to do with their situation, right? Then I'm gonna say to them like this, Wes, would you like to reconsider now with me going over that with you? Yes. And I wait, but I'm using reconsider as a different word because a lot of people don't use those types of vocabulary because it's, it's, it's disarming and it's neutral. See what I'm saying? Right. You use a lot of neutral communication. You're not going to really have a conversation with someone and then take it to another level. Do right. you see what I'm saying? You're going to mirror and match them all the way
2: through. Well, exactly. I mean, if if your buyer can't buy in neutral, they shouldn't be buying at all. Right? That, that's where they have to be in order for them to actually make a, the right decision. And you want them to make the right decision. And so you can't think of, you can't think of you know the ultimate outcome is them saying yes. The ultimate outcome is them making the best decision. And it doesn't matter what that is. But like I said, they ha- if they can say yes in neutral, More times out of not, then that's probably the right recommendation for them because now they cannot, they can, they're not just seeing it at a only logical or only emotional level. They're seeing it in both. And if it makes sense emotionally and it makes sense logically, then there's a good chance it makes sense. Right. And that's where them being in neutral is important. And also, that's where they take ownership. And that's exactly what you're talking about, Chris, right? Is them taking ownership over that decision and they can only take ownership if they're completely in a neutral state. Well,
1: you know, sometimes when you have really difficult situations or conversations with people, they become vulnerable and it's not some, depending on the personality, it can be really upsetting for them and a hard decision. And I, and I try to peel it back and make them feel safe with about whatever decision they make. You know, listen, I'm going to be upfront with you. I, if I was in your situation, I would probably pursue X, Y, Z. And if they don't see that X, Y, Z is the something they need to happen and create enough urgency with it, then I move on. I'm, I'm not there to convince someone to do something. That's not my job. My job is to help them understand that they can achieve it because I made a case for all the objections that they have. <laughs> see what I'm saying? <laughs> that they can overcome it. Right. And with me help, with me trying to communicate the reasons why you should do something, don't confuse that as me selling you. You need to understand that I am helping you pursue the deal and the need and desperate need of the product or service or whatever it is. That's why I have a hard time with event sales. I hate that shit. I hate going to an event and then they go to the event and they try to sell people on a high or low point and that's it. It's like a one night stand, man. Worst one night stand you'll ever have. And people drop Oh, a hundred grand, right, or whatever it is. I hate that shit with a passion because it goes goes against everything that I believe in sales. Everything. Do I believe that event sales can you know can be very profitable for the buyer and you know a company? Absolutely, if done right. I don't want to like get it twisted for those who are listening to this that do event sales only. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. If it's done right, but you need to do it at a neutral point and maybe. Asking what the next person is going through, right? How do you want to frame your life? Like, what situation are they in? Can you work together and coming up with the right step to move forward? What would you propose? That's a great question to ask someone. One, me explaining this, say for instance, they have this limiting belief. I don't tell them that's a limiting belief. I just expose that's the problem. Okay, so now my job is is for them to start looking at it the way that I'm looking at it. Don't you see it's green? Don't you see that you need to fit into this? Don't you see it square? Whatever it is, I want them to tell me. Does that make sense? Uh, like you need to tell me the problem. Right. What is it?
2: Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean cuz look, if if your sales process is, you know, today this is usually $5,000, but I'm going to give it to you for $1,000, then your sales process sucks. Awful. Right, you the the best the best thing that's that's happened to me in my career is that I've never been called a great salesperson. You know, but what What I have been called or what people do tell me is, Wes, I don't know why, but I fully trust you. Right. You know, if, if you think it's a good idea, I think it's a good idea because I'm not a salesperson. I'm I'm here to help you, right? I'm your helper. I'm here to help you. Right? I don't care to sell you something because you know what, if, if I look at it and, and this is why I've, I've had a hard time with companies in the past. If I look at a situation that I don't feel like it's right for you, I'm still gonna give you the option to make the decision for yourself because that's your right, but I'm not gonna personally wanna make that recommendation because I in my in my core know that this is not the right fit for you. So for me, I'm the solution finder. I'm I'm the outcome helper. Right. I'm not the salesperson because I have nothing to sell you. I only have I'm only gonna steer you because you're gonna sell yourself. And that and I need you to do that because that's the ownership that you're going to take.
1: Right. The ownership that they actually create themselves. Or not create, you need to defend yourself and defend your product, defend your time. It's like, listen, John, I've spent a lot of time trying to help you see that this outcome could potentially change XYZ. And I failed you, and I'm sorry that I'm not able to help you moving forward. But before I go today, and I'll have one of my assistants reach out to you, I'm gonna give you a recommendation based on what I've heard and based on what's happened during this call that it's probably not a good idea to move forward. You're not ready. I don't think you have blah, blah, blah. And I completely take it away. And I'm not going to ask for <laughs> a permission for that piece. I'm going to tell them what I, what I feel and what I think. Because if you have this approach in life on to be able to achieve XYZ, it's never going to happen. Because no one in this world is going to come save you. No one gives a shit. If you would like to have another call with me, Wes, or John, or whatever, send me an email and a reasons why i should have the call that's positioning it's how much will you accept like and, and it goes for you know Wes is having the conversation right from the beginning he keeps dropping the word commitment he wants to see how how much you're committed to achieving the outcome he doesn't want to waste his time and then based off his questions what he's going to do is going to keep asking questions until he realizes that maybe this person does need my help and then he's going to put forth the time and effort into it right am i wrong
2: <laughs> that's It's funny. I wish I can grab one of the recordings that I have. I I gotta look for it. And uh, but there was there was if you look if you look at my calls, you'll hear me ask commitment questions, but almost the same commitment questions in ten different forms, right? In ten different ways. And it's like we've spent thirty minutes on this call, but you don't realize that twenty five minutes of it has been me asking you if you're actually committed. Right. I'm gonna lock it down because that's all I care. Because for me to have a second call, I, I will spend as much time as I need to on that first call establishing that so that I know if it's worth the second call, if I should actually keep talking to you or not. And usually I can pick up on within the first three to five minutes if you truly are committed, but the rest of it is me looking at how far are you actually committed? like, And, and then I'm going to press on that until I truly feel like this is a must for you. It's not just a want, it's actually a must. And I'm going to ask you st- strategic questions to get that out of you. Because if I can't get that out of you, then there's a good chance that it's not worth us even having a conversation. And that but again, if you if you listen to that, it's the mentality. That's my mentality, that's my mindset around it, and that's why I frame my calls like that because of the fact that that's truly what I believe and that's how that's how I value these phone calls. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could ask anybody
1: that's, you know, ever reached any type of level of success, they had to raise their standards to be able to accomplish great things. And for me personally, once I raise my standards on how I value my time, Everything changed. Everything. Including how I approached working with prospective buyers. There's a reason why most successful people agree that time is the most valuable asset. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. Unlike money, you can't earn more time. And some of the listeners are probably thinking to themselves, like, what does this have to do with you know working with prospective buyers? It has everything to do with it. Because if you actually focused on raising your standards as a seller, on how you value your time, you'll indirectly raise the standards of your prospective buyers to not waste your time. It's important for me as a seller to always communicate the things that I do not accept of working with a prospective buyer. Number one, I stick to my time limits. If you have a meeting scheduled for 30 minutes, that's the length of the meeting. If you go over by 15 minutes, that delays me by 15 minutes on working on something else. It also lets other people know that their time isn't important either. Number two, I don't allow tardiness. I do not allow it. I mean, there are certain circumstances that I become a little bit more lenient with. Kids get sick, cars break down, things happen. I know, it's life. But I do make it clear that being late is unacceptable. When others disrespect your time, you lose time to work on your goals and what you're trying to accomplish within the sales process leading them to the outcome they're desiring. And this is one of the reasons why some salespeople have a longer sales cycle. I mean, you have to be able to provoke them to make a decision and reward those who actually do. There's not that many, and, and I'm not gonna wanna sound a certain way, Wes, but there's not that many people that say no to me. It's I don't wanna sound pompous, but it's true. They don't just come up to me and say, Chris, I'm not looking for that product or service. I mean, it generally doesn't happen.
2: Yeah. And that's the theme. That's the theme of this, right? Is how to not, right? How to not deal with something, and how to not get a no, right? Right. And and that's where we go. But and that's where, if you look at it, that's the focus. We're not we're not looking for a yes. We're looking for how to not get a no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And and when you change your mindset to that, you stop seeking acceptance, and you stop you stop looking for, uh. You know, people talk about yes states and all that, right? You know, like putting somebody in a yes state and all that kind of bullshit. I don't need to hypnotize somebody. To try to get them to buy something, right? I'm like, if you're committed enough, you're gonna buy. What my role is is to get you to say yes to yourself, and I'm gonna keep saying that. And I hope that actually means something to somebody. I hope somebody actually hears this and understands what I'm actually saying. I'm going to tell. I'm, I'm gonna keep working until the person says yes to themselves, because I don't matter. I don't. And people need to understand that you don't. You as a salesperson do not matter. The only thing that matters is the person convincing themselves through your guidance on why they should do something. And that's when you've had a win-win situation.
1: Like Wes, you mentioned something earlier, and I don't want to keep bringing this up and harp on this, having them commit to an outcome. A lot of people are probably asking themselves in their own mind right now, or maybe listening to this, maybe they know how to do it. I don't know. How are you able to communicate that properly with different personality types? I would suggest in the next couple episodes, us kind of expose how to avoid... Trying to selling someone on a high point or low point or pitching hole in themselves. What do you
2: think? I think that would be a great idea because it's it's so it's such a sensitive topic and it's so easy to do. Um, and I, I think I, I absolutely would agree. I think it's going to take a couple of episodes to really go through it. So I think that's a wonderful idea.
1: I think we're on to something with that because a lot of people don't know how to turn a closed ended question into an open ended question to get more information, especially when they don't know how to pivot from a difficult situation. I mean, no doubt, developing a high level of rapport, you'll hear a lot of sales trainers say that, is critical to the success in sales. But most of them that won't tell you and teach you is how to structure and align your questioning to be able to get to the outcome that provokes the buyer to take action themselves without you having to pitch them. Phrasing your question strategically is imperative. And be honest with you, Wes, I couldn't pick a better topic to kick off the new decade. Wes, what are some ways that they can prepare better for the next upcoming episodes?
2: Uh, best thing to do since you know we know where we're headed and and what you can expect on the next episodes is tie it back into your sales process and where you currently are. Identify what you wanna what where what plug, you know, what holes do you wanna plug, right? What's your process looking like? Where are you missing opportunity so that when we actually talk about the things that we're talking about, you can relate it back to your sales process
1: perfect i love that we're all on the same page going into the new decade happy new year to everybody hope you have a good holiday be safe don't forget to fill out our feedback form with your takeaways and what you learn from each episode and feel free to take advantage of our on-demand and accredited business and sales training courses so as always ask yourself how can you get a little bit better each day that one percent keep moving keep growing keep learning let's go with our day take care
0: Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of the win-win effect as a thank you for listening and tuning in chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.